Welcome to the Concerned Observers podcast. Uh, we have a very special episode today. Uh, we've had guests before. This one's a, a little bit different. Uh, I'd like you to meet Darren. Say hello, Darren. Hello, Darren. All right. <laughs> you are here uh, to discuss, uh, I mean, you've been a really good sport about this the whole time. Uh, the idea was just have you on. We were going to talk about what we were going to talk about, and you're going to fill in for James today. Uh, I don't know if that's a good thing or not. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll see how it goes. Maybe we make this a permanent gig for you. <laughs> it's funny you say filling for James. James is my grandfather, so you know there, there's in James is my brother's middle name. So there's a lot of Jameses around me, so that works. And just so we're clear, people, uh, this is not the same James. James is not Darren's uh, actual grandfather here. So <laughs> it's, I'm looking at you on the video. It's it's more obvious just from your skin color rather than anything else. <laughs> uh, okay, so. Uh, well, let's be let's be the the blunt here. You know, I I want you to, I, we want you to get on here, and uh, you were brave enough to put yourself out there in this kind of vulnerable situation. You know, and just talk about whatever. You just said, "Hey, I'm up to talk to about whatever you were going to talk about," and uh, you know, I, I think that's uh, I think that's pretty cool. I I just like the fact that you're on here at all. Um, and uh, not only that, but you're the benefit for you here is you're going to get to promote something here. And you've got a music album coming out now. I do, I do. It's a uh, lo-fi, inst- uh, lo-fi instrumental album called Marquette. It's named after a, uh, a park uh, in the city that I grew up in, Gary, Indiana. And uh, if you don't know about lo-fi, it's very vi- vibey, very chill, uh, you know, t- type of music. It's it's imperfect, so it's not like super digital and auto tunes. Uh, but mainly, um, lo-fi is an aesthetic that is becoming very popular, uh, especially as, you know, especially with uh, the, the younger generation. They like to listen to it to study. Um, I, I've got people that I know who actually exercise to it. So um, just tap, just tapping into something popular and, and putting putting my own spin to it. Well, and you've already heard it. Yeah, that was uh, already playing in the intro here. Uh, I'm not sure which track we we're playing there, but uh, you already heard some of it, and there'll be we'll be playing some more throughout the episode as well um yeah the the track that you heard to open it up is my lead single called refill um it will be on marquette which is dropping this friday uh the 24th all right awesome so uh darren let let's start with uh more personal stuff uh i so we know each other we actually went to uh undergrad together you have a master's don't you i do yes from from penn state Man, nice and impressive. So we met at, at uh, undergrad at Purdue. Uh, we did, I think, a public speaking course together. We did. And the thing I've always remembered about you was that uh, your persuasive speech was uh, had the coolest title. It was uh, Gary, Indiana. Not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> and And you spoke, and I remember thinking, all right, I could go. I could check it out. <laughs> it worked. I, you did a great job. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, but uh, so, I mean, more things happened to you after uh, public speaking 101 at Purdue University. Why don't you go and tell me more about yourself? Yeah, so that was that was our junior year, uh, which was an interesting year. It was a year that I started to date a young woman who eventually uh, I became related to by marriage. Um, and we're still related by marriage, um, still together. We're This year will be 12 years for us. Uh, yeah. In that time span, we've had three beautiful uh, children, three boys, Joey, Jeremiah, Jonathan, and they all range from six to three. 
So, um, you know, I, I know we've been trying to get this going for the last few days. And when it's time to put three boys down to bed, just you, you, you don't know what's going to happen. Hey, uh, both of the hosts of this podcast know exactly what that's like. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. I, th- I was just gonna say. I think you've got the oldest kids out of us so far, though, too. So, yeah, you, I, you I, got more experience than we do. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. <laughs> Depends on how much you want to sleep. Not, not much, obviously. So, you know. So at this point, um, uh, how do I say? I've had the function disabled to uh, have more children. Because uh, when you say you have three boys, a lot of people like to say, "Oh, are you going to go back for a girl?" And I knew. I knew uh, when before the third one was born, I'm not going to go back. We're going to end up with four boys. It's going to be a mess. And so I, I went through that procedure, and um, that could be a whole podcast within itself. Um, and to, so I'll kind of move on from the painful procedure to uh, <laughs> career-wise. So, yeah, uh, you know, you mentioned that I had the master's degree from uh, Penn State. So I got an undergrad from Purdue, a grad from Penn State. I work in HR. I'm a certified HR professional. And over the last 12 years, I've worked in automotive. I've worked for the state government, uh, office furniture, boilers, and now I'm in consumer package, consumer package goods. So think like food and the food and beverage industry. And then on all that, you've uh, developed. Or I'm sure you've probably been nursing the music. So what's interesting about that is when, when I when I when I when I started my career, my professional career, I kind of put music on on the back burner. And I finally reached a point in my career, in my life, where I'm kind of settled, where I don't really see myself going too far up, uh, too much, too much higher up the the corporate ladder. And music's always been a passion, and so it, it's it's it came, it just kind of met me again at a, at a perfect time in my life where I can indulge in it and also afford it, because that was um <laughs> that that was a a huge uh, restraint until uh, my last couple of gigs here. And um, it's been a, it's, it's been a beautiful marriage. Um, I'm work so on the music side. I, I think when 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 we first met, I was still trying to rap. And now you know, once you're about 34, 35, which you know that that's the age range that we're in, it's not as cool. Like you're not you know you you can't really rap about crystal and you know you, there's there's a, you're a bit limited in your subject matter. Although I think I can make dad rap a thing. Um, but for the main part on the music side for me, it's more about music production and, and putting together instrumentals. Uh, I've got a beat stars page with o- well over 120 uh, beats for artists, uh, whether they're uh, aspiring singers, rappers, poets. Uh, and then I am now on Song Trader, uh, where I make my music available to be licensed for commercials, uh, YouTube videos, uh, independent movies, big budget movies. And I've actually been in final selection twice, and I've only had my my, my page open for about a month now. Awesome. So, yeah. So all in, um, taking it, you know, taking music serious again. It's been it's been about two years now, and it's it's been probably my most fulfilling job outside of being a parent and a husband. Well, uh, to our listeners, don't let the uh, nature of this podcast fool you. He actually means business. Uh, I I think <laughs> you're probably going to be helping us out more than we're helping you. <laughs> Uh, but uh, we really do appreciate you coming on and uh, I, I look forward to sharing more of your music here for everybody and uh, that's awesome congratulations I'm, I'm proud of you thank you thank you so uh, let's uh, let's get down to business all right um, topic number one 
we uh, wanted to talk about, I guess, Israel in general, um, brought about by, I mean, it, we've had a, a nice run of luck for the last couple of episodes with some uh, some very uh, popular politicians feeling quite free to air their views. And uh, it, I, I, that's one thing. But I think what really grinds my gears is when they are able to air them and then they just kind of go relatively unchallenged. Uh, yeah. for one reason or another. And I feel like uh, what was recently said regarding Israel and the Holocaust, always tricky territory. Um, yeah. What was said by uh, Rashida Tlaib was worth picking up on. <laughs> let's just say that. Um, so let's start real quick by just, I'm going to read the quote. I mean, I want to try and provide a lot of context here, so I'm not going to just read the quote. And actually, it's probably fun. Let's see if you can figure out what set people off when I read, you know, a little larger, you know, the paragraph here for what she said. <clears throat> I'm going to do my best Rashida Tlaib impression. Here we go. <laughs> Let me tell you, I mean, for me, just two weeks or so, uh, uh, two weeks ago or so, we celebrated, but just took a moment, I think, in our country to remember the Holocaust. There's kind of a calming feeling. I always tell folks when I think of the Holocaust and the tragedy of the Holocaust and the fact that it was my ancestors, Palestinians, who lost their land and some of their lives, some lost their lives, their livelihood, their human dignity, their existence in some ways had been wiped out. All of it was in the name of trying to create a safe haven for Jews post the Holocaust, post the tragedy and horrific persecution of Jews across the world at the time. And I love the fact that it was my ancestors that provided that, right? In many ways, but they did it in a way that took their human dignity away, right? And it was forced on them. And so when I think about a one state, I think about the fact why we can't do it in a better way, better way where, and I don't want people to do it in the name of Judaism, just like I don't want people to use Islam in that way. It has to be done in the way of values around equality and around the fact that you shouldn't oppress others so that you can feel free and safe. Why can't we all be free and safe together? End quote. So I think we've established pretty well on this podcast after repeated harping that uh, when it comes to what you'll read in, in here in popular coverage, that they somehow always seem to miss the mark. So what do you think was the line that set people off once she delivered this, uh, I don't know you want to call it a soundbite? So, um, you know, what, one place that I like to go when I like to uh, understand outrage is um, my, my favorite website, Fox News. And um, the way Fox News covered this, it was a bit over the top, but I, but I understand where they're coming from. And ultimately, um, the, the headline there is Rashida Tlaib slammed by House GOP over comments over Holocaust and Palestinians. And so a couple of things that, that kind of stood out. One, the first thing that stood out to me uh, uh, just, just from jump is I, I get a calm feeling about the Holocaust. And I'm like, ooh, like that, like at, at that point I was like, okay, let me see where this goes. But I know that there's going to be a number of people that aren't, are never going to allow a calm feeling to ever be mentioned in the same sentence as the Holocaust. Number one, like that, that was kind of the number one part where people were, were ready to, to, to kind of explode, right? Um, 
from there, um, they, they kind of took uh, the, the one comment that they really took out of uh, context was the one around. Uh, let me go back and find it here. I apologize. Uh, where it said that, you know, after the Holocaust, we tried to, you know, you know, my, my, my ancestors helped make a home. And the way that that came off to some was, you know, because of the Holocaust, Israel was founded. And I know that that's pop, that's a um, how do you say that? That's 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 a great malpropism of Israel, where there's this notion that Israel was founded as like payment or uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, reparations for what happened in the Holocaust, when in fact the, the, the two things aren't aren't necessarily uh, equitable, right? So, you know, right there in the middle of the whole thing, you have that, and then this notion of, you know, my ancestors essentially gave their lives so that Israel could exist, and it's like that's okay. Now, you know, at that point, you know, because you have people that are very fervent on the side of Israel and you have people that are very fervent on the side of, 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 of Palestine. And at that point, those are fighting words. So the whole thing kind of comes apart in the middle and you never really get to the end of it, unfortunately. Yeah, I think I could agree with that. Yeah. I mean, that's a really good point. I, I, I mean, more power to you for being able to wade through Fox. I never touch the stuff. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, if I, if I ever see, it's a general rule for me. If I ever see a headline from Fox that, makes me go oh cool like or you know gives me a positive feeling i'm gonna check somewhere else first <laughs> before i uh... as, as you should and and for, yeah. and for the record i am i i do not regularly read fox news but usually when when these things pop up um you know when, when people say things and it gets the right all riled up it's interesting that the spin and the take that fox news takes on it and i'm not saying oh, that they're yeah. a reputable news source I just like to 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 read them to see what the outrage machine is pushing out. And they and they got it wrong, didn't they? I mean, they, they, and you're right. They focused on the, you know, I am the Holocaust fills me with a calming sensation. And that's I mean, it, that is a thing she said, but that's clearly not what she meant. I mean, she's no. not trying to say the thought of the Holocaust fills me with calm because, you know, hey, Jews dying make me calm because I mean that was the accusation that she's being anti-Semitic, yeah. and you know and all that kind of stuff and and so that's where they went with that and that uh, yeah I mean I I think that's completely off the mark that's not what she's saying what no. she's saying is that I mean I guess maybe like there's kind of a silver lining to it you know that the Jews are have made it out and you know, they seem to be doing well now and you know there's you know it's kind of okay if you want to, I mean. There's a whole bunch of problems, which is why I'm having trouble trying to recreate what she's trying to say, because what she's saying is still really, really, really wrong. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, let's focus on that, that uh, the malapropism there. Um, I don't want to say that it's necessarily an anti-Semitic trope, but you're absolutely right. The idea that Israel was created in response to the Holocaust is is just a thing that you you're not going to hear your average you know, somebody who's a, a mildly critic, critical of Israel bring up, you're going to hear that generally by people who are going to try to deny Israelis slash Jews the right to even exist. Yeah. Um, and that that's where, like, the red flag goes up with me. It, you know, so my my thing is not the calming sensation. It's the, my you know, my ancestors provided this for them. It, you know, that they gave them and, you know, paved the way for this post holocaust she says and that's just it's completely inaccurate yeah. 
and how you can, you know, any like any worldview you're going to have that's based on that is automatically going to be heavily, heavily tainted. Oh, I mean, I, I don't want to do like a whole history lesson here, but I mean, just baseline. Forget about whether it's right or wrong or anything. But the Balfour Declaration was was given in 1917. Um, the, for those of you who don't know, the Balfour Declaration back when in the early 1900s the land that we're talking about Palestine and Israel was originally, or at that time was a, a British mandate. So it's colonized by the British and they even then were kind of thinking, we got to drop out of some of this colonization stuff. And the plan was they were going to leave that land. And when they did this Balfour declaration was kind of a, a, a statement on their end of saying, when we leave, we're going to leave behind at least part of this land, a, a holy an area dedicated to becoming a Jewish country. Uh, I mean, so now again, right or wrong, you know, obviously you got colonization and all sorts of stuff swirling around there. Is it even their land to do with what they please? You know, forget all of that. Uh, you know, not saying it doesn't matter. It's just not relevant to what I'm trying to point out here is just that even then, well before world war two had broken out, let alone the Holocaust, there was talk about creating a Jewish state. There were already Israelis there, they had been in part of a, uh, as part of a society. Like the idea that this was all done in response to the Holocaust is absolutely absurd. And then the second part that the Palestinians somehow helped it happen. Oh boy, uh, no, yeah. <laughs> uh, they fought it tooth and nail. Yeah, um, there are multiple wars that that were that were fought uh, before Israel even came into existence. Uh, the Grand Mufti of of the of the area sought out assurances, you know, sought out an alliance from Hitler to stop, to ensure that the Jews in Palestine would be treated the same way that they were being treated in Europe. Now, I'm not trying to paint Palestinians as Hitler supporters. That's a a different topic. And Hitler did not give those assurances. So no alliance ever took place. Um, But the point is the idea that they were rolling out the red carpet out of the kindness of their hearts. No, Uh, the moment the state was, was uh, founded, they fought a war uh, and they fought a war Again, a few years later, and again, a few years later, and again, a few years later. I mean, it just, it happened repeatedly. The idea that this was provided is not even close. Um, the historical illiteracy of it all is really what grinded on me, and I, and that, to me, is absurd. Yeah, and, and you know, it, so in, in some of the research that I did, I, I, I did a quick, you know, quick read on, on Israel and, and the history, and much like you said, with the, with the mandates and, you know, how... You know, you know, even before the foundation in 1948, the the, the land there was was already under um, what do you call it? I don't want to say attack, but I mean it was already kind of there was already a disagreement on how that was settled. And again, you know, we're we we're not you know the arbiters of history. We're not here to say if it's right or wrong. That that's just what it was. And when when you know they made the mandate that hey, we're going to separate this out, even though we're here now, but we won't be. Yeah, I mean, and and to be and to be fair, like where where I kind of come in, where I'm like, Ugh, where these where these comments made me uncomfortable, it, it was mainly in the fact that if you know the history, if you even if you know a little bit of the history, you wouldn't you wouldn't let the comments kind of hang like that. You're 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 in a way it, it feels a bit provocative, and I'm not sure for what reason other than to to galvanize. Uh, the side, uh, you know, the, the, the sides in the, in, the, in the fighting again. And when I say fighting again, I mean, you know, the people that are like pro-Israel and the people that are pro-Palestine where 
you might have a faction of Palestinians who believe this and they're like, yeah, we did. And it's like, wait, guys, that's not quite, we're, we're, you know, that's not quite, that's, that's not quite what's happening here. And to, like I said, the way that this is worded, it, it, it almost is, is red meat to those people who are going to jump in and, and, and start that Israeli-Palestinian type of argument. And it's, and, it's from, and I'm not quite sure of what the reason is behind it. Well, I, I could speculate on that a little bit. <laughs> um, but let, back to your, your original point there, just you know, when you wade into this stuff, you're allowed to wade into this, and you're allowed to make mistakes. I mean, I, I don't expect everybody to open it. You know, Balfour Declaration was from 1917. Like, <laughs> Israel was founded in 1948. So it's hard enough to remember when America was founded sometimes for some people. I mean, you know, I, I get that. Uh, but you should feel free to, and, and when you're talking about the Holocaust too, you kind of realize, you need to be ready to clarify, to yes. restate your case, to say, uh, maybe I wasn't clear here or, you know, or, or to directly answer the criticisms that come your way. And instead what we get from her is, uh, you know, I will not be silenced. Um, the, the, you know, the threats on my life will not deter me. Um, you know, people are weaponizing my comments and trying to turn my own words against me. And, I guess you know, the, the the question I always want to ask there is like you know what's the difference between weaponizing comments and and highlighting and holding somebody accountable for what they say? Uh, there's a heavy difference there, yeah. and I would like to think that that's generally what we do here. Yeah, and and you know it it, it and like I said, I, I'm it it just it really feels like this was meant to be provocative, like the way the way the words are just kind of hanging out there. You know, my my people provided this, and it's like, oh wait, that like I said, a a a, a quick, a literally, it took me twenty minutes to look this stuff up. Like a quick twenty minute Google search will tell you that, and it just, I'm I, again, I'm I'm just I'm, I'm I'm baffled at someone who has shown, you know, the ability to it, 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 in in some in some aspects, you know, to be able to critically think, to be able to to make it to be a congressperson. And speak on behalf of, you know, speak on behalf of the population that she represents in Michigan, that you would allow yourself to say a comment like this and not expect some type of scrutiny behind it. It, 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 almost, was, it almost was a bit disingenuous. Well, I mean, it, and I think there is some disingenuous behind it when particularly, you know, with with uh, Talib and Ilhan Omar it's one of those things where in a previous episode, we discussed this a little bit that a statement like this, you know, if I'm at the water cooler and some random person just makes those comments, I, I might think, well, okay, that was really wrong, but you know, everybody gets the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Uh, but if I hear it again and again and again, then I'm going to have to start making some assumptions here. I'm going to have to start saying, well, this is not adding up to you being a reasonable person in this argument here. And, uh, and that is where Omar fails. And that is where Talib fails is that this kind of stuff does not happen in a vacuum. And, and, and just kind of like what you're saying, like it, it is, it, there's a disingenuousness there because she knows what she's saying. She is not an uneducated woman. And, and while I don't expect her to fully have, you know, a, a you know, a, 
master's level of historical knowledge, you know, around the conflict between Israel and Palestine, I would at least expect her to be able to grasp the basic facts before she wants to weigh in on it. And I think she thinks she does. And I think she's getting her facts from people that are less than savory, (laughs) that are less than, that are not exactly what you would, that you would want to call up and say, Hey, let's have a, a, a back and forth on this. She has a habit. She has this, uh, penchant for palling around with people who pal around with, well, I mean, and I really don't take this word lightly with terrorists. I mean, you know, she invites, uh, she's, you know, she's thanked people for her election victory in Michigan that, that, uh, are, very quick to share just out and out anti-Semitic content uh, there. She's got friends that, that uh, are directly associated with, again, with people who have literally killed Jews, not just by chance that are, that it's that sought out that, you know, that, that when you read about a Palestinian stabbing, you know, Palestine, Palestinian stabbing somebody in Jerusalem, mm-hmm. it's, one or two of these people have have shown up there. You know, it's 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 those kinds wow. of associations, and I'm not saying she endorses that. I mean, I, I just because it's kind of hard to know what's in somebody's heart. But how many of those friendships do you get to have before I start to be able to raise my hand and say this is weird, and I'm going everything out of your mouth is going to be circumspect for me. And, it, and this this should work the other way too. By the way, this is not a rule I have just for Democrats. I mean, imagine. I mean, we all rightly freaked out when, you know, there's not even an association, but Trump's refusal to disavow comments from David Duke. Yeah. I mean, we all thought, well, okay, the first time maybe it's just like, I don't even want to get involved. Okay, maybe that's okay. Maybe and that's a stretch, but then he does it again and again and again. It's like, ah, dude. I and mean, the Char- and the Charlottesville thing with, with verifying people on both sides, you know, just yeah, like. I, 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 the, and the the point really is just that after you make this error so many times, I, I and I'm not even going to go so far as to say that you are racist in in on all that. Though obviously the case can be made there. We're just trying to keep this brief. But yeah. the point the point really is just that you can you can make some assumptions here. <laughs> yeah, I can you know I you your benefit of the doubt is gone. I, I'm sure you've got people that that you don't provide the benefit of the doubt to anymore. Uh, and I know I do. And I feel like that's partially how that happens. And, you know, and Talib is somebody who somehow seems to get that. You know, she, she's, you know, suddenly, you know, she's a freshman congressperson. I don't know the, the proper term here, but suddenly she's on the cover of time magazine, Rolling Stone. And, you know, and well, she's everywhere yeah. and it's, it's fawning praise and there's no, you know, the next cover she's on, nobody's going to ask her about this. This isn't going to show up because that's not really the story we want to tell. And that's, I guess, that's really what's getting at me here. Uh, I mean, and it's funny, you know, you started you started that, that that whole piece around you know the water cooler talk. And actually, um, last night I was at work kind of late, and I was talking with a couple of my coworkers, and I mentioned that I was going to do a podcast, and we were going to talk about some potentially anti-Semitic comments. And, you know, I just happened to mention that, you know, there was there was a notion hanging out there in this one comment that Israel was created, you know, at, you know, in response to the Holocaust. And 
un- completely unprompted, my co coworker was like, "That's not even correct. Like, what what is going on?" <laughs> completely unprompted, complete. You know, like it's not even like that was like the tone of the conversation, but it was just even he knew just in that moment, like, wait, that doesn't that that that's not computing. That's not true. And and just by the way, like believing that it, it that it was isn't itself anti-Semitic. It's not. I mean, right. you know, some people have trouble naming the president. Some people have trouble naming Supreme Court justices. I mean, it's okay that you don't know that fact off the bat. I mean, the Lord knows that the Holocaust had some influence. It kind of reinforced the need to get this done, a project right. that had already been in the works for a good 20 years plus before the war had bro- broken out. Um, but... I mean, so it's clearly related, and so I kind of understand where it could come from. There's nothing inherently wrong with believing that, but but you got to be willing to step back and realize, oh, oh, yeah, I was mistaken on that. Right. And that is not happening here, and that, to me, that says something. That says she's got some preconceived notions that I don't think would be a stretch to describe as anti-Semitic. Now, maybe the, the phrases that directly come from this quote aren't directly anti-Semitic, but you play this game long enough, you learn how to dance around it and and dodge it. And I think she's intelligent enough to play that game. Fair enough. All right, so uh, we got anything else you want to say on that? I think we're good. Let's get to the babies. All right, well, let's, uh, <laughs> let's, uh, no, let's take a break first. Uh, and uh, let's uh, let's hear some of that beautiful, beautiful music. And actually, this track here um, that, that you guys are about to hear is called uh, Call Me. It's on the album Marquette, dropping uh, May twenty May twenty fourth. Awesome! Here we go. We are back. So uh, what was that song again that we just played? So that song was Call Me. It's uh, track number two on the uh, Marquette album. And um, fun fact, and, and you'll, you'll, you're, you'll probably laugh in retrospect after I say fun fact. I actually made that particular um, track on the day of my father-in-law's what? Uh, day of my father-in-law's funeral. So my father-in-law recently passed away. Um, and on the morning of his funeral, I woke up really early and I just, just felt something and went to my, my drum machine here and just started fiddle, fiddling with it. And I felt him in the room. So it, it's something that's, that's a little personal to me where, you know, I, I'm not quite sure how I came up with the title call me, but it came out really quick and, um, I dedicated to him actually. So, so. So how do you how do you make this stuff? I mean, I mean, I, obviously you got a drum kit there. You said, but uh, yeah. are you are you playing instruments or, or is this? Is, yeah, so, is this, this you got a studio that you're working with here? I mean, what, what's your setup? So so what's it, so I'll kind of talk about the evolution if that's okay. So uh, when I when I got back into music, I actually started uh, making tracks on a a software called Intrack Studios. 
and it was actually on my Android tablet. So I, I paid 30 bucks, got the license for it, and I was essentially making music on my tablet. And it was uh, set up to where it's a DAW, which is a digital audio workstation, where you could make the music and then record songs over that music that you make all on the tablet. And so I made a few things. They, they weren't great. I mean, you know, for $30 software on a $200 tablet, you know, it's it was good for that. Um, and then I got permission from my boss, the wife, and um, I was able to upgrade my equipment. So I'm a native instruments guy. So I've got the MK3. I've got the M32. I've okay, got now they, these sound like firearms to me. So. <laughs> they, they're, they're, they're just as powerful as firearms, but ultimately the MK3 is a is a fairly sophisticated drum machine. Um, and you actually can do all the music in here, and then it has a mic plug-in to where you can also do the vocals through it as well. I don't do my vocals through it. Uh, usually when I do vocals, I do that through, through uh, Studio One. So I've got the MK3 here, uh, like I said, very powerful drum machine, and then I've got an M32, which is a 32-key uh, uh, keyboard. Okay. And and ultimately, I like to stay mobile because, you know, I, I, I have friends who make music. Uh, my brother is also a music producer. My cousin produces music, and he actually just put an album out here recently as well. And so when I get a call like, hey, we're at this studio or we're at this person's house, you know, bring your setup. I can throw everything into a suitcase and get to where I need to get to. Awesome. That is so cool. Well, yeah, I mean, hey, I, I got to say, though, I'm disappointed in your $30 setup. I'm doing this whole thing with free software. If I paid, <laughs> I paid $30 for this thing, it better it better make me sound like, I don't know, Ron Burgundy. <laughs> 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 All right. I, I need, that, that better make me sound just, you know, Casey Kasem sort of territory and uh, man, it better do a whole lot for me before I drop thirty bucks on it. So, ooh, ooh. Well, once I upgraded everything, you know, it it went from you know, like, so I put together like a track in the in studio, and then I'd have to, and basically the instruments that came with in studio um, were very um, bland, and so like I would have to essentially take a a blank key and then put the reverb on it just right. And do the whole, you know, and do the whole, um, I call it the noodle, but I mean, you know, the EQ, because you're kind of playing with it like a noodle, um, where with the MK, I'll bring up a sound and it'll already be like, you know, the, the EQ's already there, the reverb's already there, the arpeggiate, you know, the arpeggiation, everything's already there. So I'll just go to it, hit it, and then I'll just start playing some chords and then be done. This is awesome. That's, that's, that's cool. Awesome. Well, we'll we'll have a, another track to to play for you here when we close this out, but uh, not before we put you through the gauntlet. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, you could have come, you could have come on here when we were talking about something easy like kneeling at the Super Bowl, or I mean, so many <laughs> easy topics. But but uh, James, I know, is happy that he's not here for this because he he's told me he said, "Man, if I have to talk about abortion one more time." <laughs> <laughs> uh so he's not here which means you're gonna have to talk about it it's quite uh, all right so uh again when i said I, i'm really happy that you're here on the show that you know that you were cool enough to just say hey whatever's gonna happen happens uh we weren't kidding because we're putting you on one of the more emotional topics that we could ever ever possibly get at um so 
Uh, I respect that. End of story on that. Um, so let's get your take. I mean, I, I don't know what ro- what road you want to go into. This is obviously inspired by the numerous uh, pieces of legislation that have come through different states. We got Alabama's the biggest one that everybody wants to seem to be talking about, uh, but there's plenty of others. And uh, they all kind of have roughly the same effect with the varying degrees of give and take among them, but they're basically attempts to at the very least effectively ban abortion. Um, I know my own views on this are really complicated, but uh, what, what uh, I mean, uh, what jumps out at you? What, what do you, what, what do you got to so, say? So, and, and I know we had briefly talked about this and, you know, for, for, for me, it's very complicated, and I, I will willingly admit and freely admit, admit to anyone that I'm a walking contradiction. And so, uh, just to paint the background, so you can understand where I'm coming from, um, I grew up Baptist, uh, became Methodist, went non-denominational, uh, eventually got into Independent Fundamental Baptist, which we can do an entire podcast on separately <laughs> from this. Um, and and so I've kind of run the gauntlet, but ultimately for me. Um, the whole religion piece, I'm less religious and more spiritual. I believe wholly in the teachings of, D, of, of, of Jesus. I believe that he is, you know, that he was sent here to save souls and and not necessarily for the holy people or the Pharisees, as they were called at that particular time. And, you know, so for me, it's a little complicated, right, to where it's, you know, I personally, it, so so the easy thing is for me to say I would never get an abortion, but it's easy for me to say that because I don't quite have, um, how you say, the plumbing to do so, right? Um, but if my wife were to come to me and say that she wanted to get an abortion, I don't think I would stand in the way of that. Because at the end of the day, I'm not the person who has to live with those consequences. And so, you know, the, the message that I sent you where I'm like, I'm personally not for it. But I also don't want to impinge or impede the rights of another person to get one if they feel that that's what they want to do. Now, that being said, I, you know, and, and you made an excellent point. It actually made me go research the Roe versus Wade and, and a few other um, in, a, in a few other cases that were that were, um, you know, founded upon the 14th Amendment where ultimately, you know, Roe versus Wade, you know, hit, you know, hinged on privacy of, me- of, of a medical procedure and it, and, it, and it used the 14th Amendment as a basis, right? And I know that, that, that in your message, and I'm still in some of your thunder, so I apologize in advance. <laughs> yeah, um, I know, but no. <laughs> <laughs> but, but ultimately, I agree with you that, that I feel like the 14th Amendment was, was used in a way that it wasn't intended to be used in that particular case, much like the gay marriage case, which completely different topic. We can do a whole podcast on that as well. I personally don't have an issue with it, but where, where I have an issue with it is how the 14th Amendment was used for that. So 14th Amendment has been used to legalize abortion, legalize gay marriage. But, you know, going back to Plessy versus Ferguson, uh, separate but equal is OK. And I'm like, wait a second, like separate. but equal. So, you know. And, and that had a whole a whole set of ramifications that we're still, you know, to to a degree that people who look like me are still feeling the effects of it. And so from a personal uh, level, maybe we should be clear. What do you mean by people that look like you since this is not a video podcast? 
Oh, yeah. So I am <laughs> of uh, African-American descent. Um, and so when you talk about Plessy versus Ferguson, separate but equal, Jim Crow, separate bathrooms, separate schools, um, to that degree, what would wound up breaking out of that redlining, you know, so, you know, there, 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 there are things that came out of that ruling that made separate versus equal a, a legal thing that, you know, even though it's generations later after, you know, the whole civil rights movement and equality and affirmative action, uh, my parents went to segregated schools. They started their, they started their school, their schooling in segregated schools. My father was a part of the desegregation of schools in Glen Park in Gary, Indiana. And so, you know, with, 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 with being a generation removed from segregated schools and that being a direct result of Plessy versus Ferguson, I, you know, I, I've got I've got some issues with the 14th Amendment being used to kind of, you know, let these other things go free. And so with that um, abortion. Right. So, like I said, I'm personally against it, but I don't I would not want to stand in the way of anyone who would want to get one. What I would like to see happen in an ideal world um, or an ideal society, if if abortion is that big of a deal. Uh, for the people who want to pass these bills and put money behind candidates to pass these bills, put that same energy behind, you know, the education of the children once they come out. Put that same energy behind the the health care for the children that are available, that, that, you know, so, so, so that when they come out of the womb, they actually have a fighting chance. In the states where these where these legislations were passed, when you think about Mississippi, when you think about Alabama, when you think about Georgia, um, in Georgia to a less extent, but more so in, in Alabama and in Mississippi, um, you know, they have some of the highest rates of infant mortality. They also have some of the highest rates of, you know, mothers having, you know, issues during and after the pregnancy. And, 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 and so if you really care that much about the fetus, right, if, if it's all about, you know, all lives matter, right, um, you know, it, you know, insert your joke there. You know, if all lives truly mattered, there would be a lot more, you know, there, there would be a lot more resources put toward the feeding of children, the funding of their education and of their health care. But I'm not seeing that same energy put forth. And so I have serious reservations about these laws being passed based on that. So I'll, I'll kind of kick it back to you here. Sorry about that. No, no, th this is this is what we're here for. <laughs> um, I Man, there's so much. Um, the man, I, I'm really struggling to figure out where I would even start. So, um, if we're talking about, I mean, if we're just going to kind of go on baseline about, you know, opinions on abortion and all that kind of stuff, uh, I mean, I am Catholic, but that's neither here nor there. I mean, I, I've I've been. Uh, atheist and I came to my what do you want to call pro-life position prior to kind of coming back to my Catholicism um, my position is based on I mean not a, it, not that it doesn't matter but even if the Pope were tomorrow to come out and say hey abortion's great uh, I would still not change my mind because it's not based on uh any interpretations of the Bible or anything like that to me, it's all scientific. It's all uh, that we, that we're dealing with a living entity just to try and be non-confrontational on that, uh, a living entity that, that has its own unique distinct genetic code. 
And from the moment that conception happens, that genetic code will reliably continue on its normal growth cycles and develop into an, an old, 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 you know, if left alone, an old, old, old version of itself that ultimately dies of old age. Like hey, Jason, can I, can I just jump right back in there? I'm, I'm sorry. And, and this is one thing that I was thinking about when I was driving home tonight. And, um, you know, to that point, you know, where, where people say it's a ball of sales, like I, that kind of bothers me a little bit to kind of write to kind of write off the the fetus is just a ball of sales. And and the reason I say that is because having gone through an incredible uh, fertility slash infertility journey, which is worthy of its own podcast of itself, um, you know, in utero, when when we would do the the ultrasounds for my children. And I think about my oldest and my oldest, um, you know, at one point we had difficulty finding his heartbeat. And it's not because he wasn't viable. It's because the boy was so active in the womb that he would just kind of move around. Like you put the wand on him and he'd go down here and you put the wand down here and he'd move up here. And so, you know, I say that because my oldest is very active. Like even from a baby, he wanted to jump off the couch. He was the first kid to walk. Um, he was one of the first to, to, to get active on the belly activity and turn over. And so, you know, for 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 people to, to just kind of write it off and say it's a medical procedure and it's a ball of sales, I beg to differ. Knowing knowing what I know about my own personal journey with my children in utero from an early age, you know, from an early age, you know, nine, ten, twelve, eleven weeks, like they're the, these are people. These are literally people that are growing inside of you. Yeah, and that's I mean that's that was the the, the sorry thing I, I had I, to sorry no, I, no, had, no. I had to get that out. No, I mean, I, I'm glad you're saying it instead of me, because uh, I, I mean, that is sort of exactly my point, but it's better if you're making it than I am. <laughs> um, just because I, this that is a thing that everybody kind of wrestles with. This is why, this is the exact reason why if your critique of the pro-life position is you just want to control women or this idea that it's all about women's rights, uh, that, that it's anti-women to be pro-life or anti-choice or whatever you want to call it um that rings completely hollow to me because my position would be the same if you know if the men were like seahorses and gave birth or if you know if if that was somehow transferred onto it it would be the same i mean it, yeah. based on now you can say like well you'd you'd feel differently okay fine maybe i would feel differently but the facts would still be there and exactly. whether or not I choose to wrestle with those is the key there. And that's what I can't unthink is that you're dealing with a unique genetic structure. I mean, there's all these different kind of criteria that have to be met. It's one thing to just be alive. Plants are alive, but I mow my lawn. I mean, right. you know, I, I spray ants you know, when they, when they're trying to get in the house, you know I mean? I, that I have, I have killed plenty of living things in my lifetime. Um, so being alive is not enough. However, it's not just alive, is it? It's not just a rhubarb in there. It's, you know, when you say it's just a ball of cells, you know, it's like, well, okay, but a ball of what cells? It's not, right. it's not going to develop into a chair. It's not going to develop into an arm. It's not, and it's not, it's not the woman. It's not a part of her. It's not, uh, it's not going to, it doesn't contain her genetic structure. It's not a match. If that, if the you know if there was a crime scene, it would match up to different DNA, um, and so you know that is another criteria. 
Uh, and then I feel like, uh, you know, the, the next line people want to go on when they try to kind of dissect this is say, well, it's not thinking. It's not, it has no conception of life. It has no conception of itself. And I think, well, neither do people that are in comas or, you know, I, you know, remember, if you remember the Terry Schiavo case, you know, oh, we could yeah. talk about, we could talk about whether or not it was right to pull the plug on her. Um, but that was removing life support. It would have been an entirely different thing if somebody had walked in there and just, you know, stabbed her with a giant vacuum thing and sucked her brains out, which is basically what an abortion would be. Nobody would have said, well, you know, hey, she's already dead. Like, do whatever you want. Like, she's not even alive. She's not even. I mean, no, nobody would have ever said that. Uh, it, so it, brain activity can't doesn't seem to be the enough to me on this uh, either which is just kind of like well if you can't you try and draw all these lines and if they're not going to work for other things then that line's probably not really the criteria that you ought to be using um and then then comes i think the trickiest one that you usually hear uh is uh well you know if you were in a if you i mean you with you bring up the fertility stuff if you were in a fertility clinic and it was on fire and you had you know a five-year-old child in in the in the in a burning building there, and a petri dish of a thousand embryos. Which do you save? And the idea here is that you're supposed to stumble and say, "Well, you know, theoretically they all have you know, they have the same value," and you know, and then that's supposed to say something, but it doesn't, does it? I I mean, yes, I would save the five-year-old child. I wouldn't even have to think about it. That's yeah. an easy question. But switch the thousand embryos for a 95 year old man, which you're going to say the 95 year old man or the five year old child. I'm going to say the five year old child. Uh, and, but that doesn't mean that the 95 year old man isn't human born and living and th that he doesn't have value. He has tons of value. Right. Uh, I mean, so the fact that I would, that I'm able to clearly choose one over the other is not the question. Uh, you know, the, the, the question is whether or not it, it is alive and it, and it has value. I mean, you tell me, you know, switch it the other way. What if uh, you got your thousand embryos and furniture? You got to go in there and save something. You tell me you're going to go save the desk chair? Like, I mean, yeah, maybe you would, but. If I got it for my grandparents, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I, think, I think you're making the wrong choice there. You got the thousand embryos. I mean, you know, it is life, and, and that deserves some respect here. Right. And uh, I don't think it's controlling. A woman, I don't think it's forcing her to carry anything to term. It's just, it's the same law that would apply anywhere else when, when the child's three. You know, I'm just saying you shouldn't be able to kill it. That's all. I, you know, I, you know, so yeah, you can't have the abortion, but I can't kill it either. Like I, that, that's, that's the problem. And so there are all these other things, you know, you're exactly right. I think that there would be a heck of a lot of compromise if, if, we had the question on the table saying, hey, we're willing to get rid of abortion. In exchange, what are you going to give us? I, I would, I'm pretty sure you'd see a lot of give on that. And I mean, I'm a limited government type, but you want you know, you know, want to see me come up with some social program ideas? That's how you'd get me to come up with some social program ideas very quickly. Uh, federal funding for adoption, federal funding for, you know, counseling you know all sorts of different resources not just for the child but for the mother who's who is carrying this child i mean on and on and on and on I mean, it, it, the cost is 
very easily born in exchange for not killing somebody. Um, yeah. I, 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 yeah. And, 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 and I think that's what gives me the most pause and the most trouble about these bills because, you know, especially with them being introduced by the right, right? And, you know, and I don't really like to refer to left and right, but I mean, that's just kind of where we are in this country. Um, you know, but, you know, when, when you have these bills introduced by the right, but the right also says that, you know, you shouldn't have, you know, we, we should limit social programs and entitlement programs and, and things of that nature. I was like, well, wait a second. Like, you want people to carry the, you know, carry these, you know, pregnancies to full term. And in some cases, you know, you got people that are in des- they're destitute, they're in poverty, they don't have the ability to care for the child, and yet you want to take away their ability to help care for said child. So, you know, it's 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 a little, and well, not a little. For, for, from from my from my standpoint, it's very disingenuous of the right to say that all lives matter and a heartbeat is is what determines a life, but yet, you know, you you won't. You won't even you won't even take a sniff at banning assault rifles. You won't take a sniff at you know building more schools and prisons. You 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 know so it 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 feels very disingenuous from the right side when they're saying that you've got to carry this life. It's a life. It's a life. It's a life. When you're not you know when you're not consistent in your approach and how you care for life over the life of that child. You're you're absolutely right, and that's a, that's a fantastic point. Um, I. I, that that thing always brings to mind, though, that I, I see a lot of parallels between abortion and slavery. Um, it's not 100 percent parallel, obviously. I know uh, what you mean. <laughs> but uh, but, you know, th- we're talking about whether or not a life is valuable and the attempts to try and say it's not really echo a lot of the things you used to hear when trying to justify slavery that. Now that that child would have a terrible life. It'd be extremely poor. Wouldn't be able to sustain itself. And that's what they used to say. They used to say, uh, they, they they can't even like there's they're inferior people. Like and they they can't even handle it out in the society. We're doing them a favor by doing this by by this process. We're we're trying. We're actually making life better uh, in, in doing this. And that's those kinds of things echo here. And so having seen that parallel, that's the th- the thing I think I. While I completely agree that there is a lot of disingenuous in this, that uh, that that the right is really fumbling on that by not showing that it truly appreciates the gravity of the situation. At least I don't think it's communicating that properly, and that is important. Um, but the ultimate question of whether or not abortion is moral is kind of irrelevant to that. When you think about slavery, right. you know. Imagine being an abolitionist back then and saying, I'm against slavery. And they and then they say, well, you're not for integrated schools. And, you know, if you really were against <laughs> slavery, you would you would be for affirmative action and you would yep. be for giving you know grants to these people to make sure that they get to the best schools. And you would be for this social program and this social program. And therefore, since you are not. I mean, because given, you know, even Abraham Lincoln would have been fine with a segregated school. Yeah. Uh, But but since you are not, I will not budge on the question of slavery. And I'm just going to we're just going to keep going. And and it's like, well, wait a minute. We should be able to tackle. We should walk and chew gum at the same time here. Uh, We ought to be acknowledged that that (laughs) that one is clearly wrong. And then once we establish that, we can kind of work past that. Exactly. Uh, I mean, that's. 
I, you know, part of me wants to say that's not how the real world works, but that's exactly how, <laughs> that's exactly how slavery, you know, you ended slavery. And then it's like, well, we've got a whole bunch of other things we got to take care of after that. That wasn't the end. <laughs> that no, was not. Yeah. That was not the victory. I mean, it was a major one, uh, but it was not the final one. And that's exactly what would happen here. Um, but at the same time though, I, man, I'm totally with you on that. This, this is my frustrating thing. I, I don't like these bills. I, I hate them. I, I absolutely hate them. Even though I agree with the ultimate result of it, it's done in such a ham fisted way. Uh, there's been no, there's been no debate. There's been no give and take. There's, there's been nothing created for this. And, and I, I think there absolutely should be. I mean, if you're trying to represent your citizens, that I just can't imagine that you would put a bill like this and just say like, look here, here it is. It's banned. Deal with it. I, if you really want this to be done, do it right, and exactly. do it in a way that shows that society can work with it. Prove that it that it can work, and I believe it can. You know, surely the people that are banning it believe it can. So prove it. Yeah, I'm. I, and the fact that they're not willing to, I don't think it is actually speaking ill of them in terms of what's in their hearts. I think the problem is is that they're not writing them that way. They're not writing them to shape society. No. Uh, that their tactic is what they're trying to do is challenge Roe. That yep. this isn't real. What we're dealing with here is not real. It's it's all it's all designed to create a legal challenge. And and we're seeing all of these states do this. So if once if if the Supreme Court is it says, well, we don't want to hear this one, we don't want to hear that one, we don't want to hear this one, that they'll have to say it over and over and over again because there'll be multiple cases brought. They're trying to guarantee that at least one of them makes it in the door. And that Roe gets challenged that way. Um, and that's what they're doing this for. And that's a noble goal, but holy cow. Yeah, and so you, 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 you jumped right there, and actually I was going to put my tinfoil hat on and, and be like, yeah, this is to challenge Roe. And, you know, you think about the, 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 the conservative-leaning uh, majority that's in the Supreme Court now. You've got, you know, a, a, a right-leaning uh, Senate. You got a right-leaning executive branch. You know, this this ultimately is what. I mean, this is this is the culmination of of nearly fifty years of work on the side of the right. If you stop and think about it for a second, and it's brilliant how they've gone about it, right? And and you you, you won't you won't hear me say too many nice things about the right or, or frankly the left either, um, but the way that they've gone about, you know. This this long term battle. It's it's been fascinating, and I think that it's important that the left does not get too lost in the details of this because what what you see a lot of is you know this you know, like you said earlier all oh, this is against women this is anti women and you know what about what if men had it and it's like that's not what this is about guys like if if you if you really you know if you really want to keep Roe versus Wade if you if there are things that that you enjoy on the liberal side. You've got to show up for elections because the right, you know, the, the you know, it, the right has shown a propensity that once they get into power, the things that they believe in abortion, state rights, uh, you know, smaller taxes, limited government, they're going to push those things through. Well, I don't know about the taxes or the limited government so far. They're really yeah, well, screwing yeah. that up. Yeah. But you're, you're, but you're right. I mean, at the very least, the way that they've handled the courts, and this is like, I think, wholly the the way to to look at it is that um and they've done it the right way yeah we've been really fortunate that they have done it the right way it has not been uh 
rammed through it. Instead of saying that I'm looking for a conservative justice, what they're really looking for and what they've decided to do is, is hitch themselves to this philosophy of originalism. Um, and that philosophy, I think, is the absolute right way to read the, the Constitution and evaluate all this kind of, you know, in law. And uh, that allows for that allows for some really great uh, governing. I mean, it, just just this this last week, uh, Gorsuch and Kavanaugh have broken for quote unquote the liberal side yes, uh, a couple times, and that's because conservatives aren't always right. Uh, or at least the people that are conservatives aren't always right. And there are mistakes that get made and they've gone against the grain because they follow their originalist jurisprudence appropriately. They are good justices and that was how they were evaluated. And it's, and it's been really um, a great victory for the right in terms of, you know, some political power, I guess, but also just for the country. This has been a good thing that they can do, but it comes at a cost. I, I don't know. I don't know if this is going to work. I mean, you you agree with me that Roe is not actually constitutional. No, and and so here 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 here's where I think it's going to come down. I'm putting my tinfoil hat on and just just imagine if you will. So I, I think what's going to happen is while you know we're all sitting here thinking that it's going to be a challenge for for Roe v. Wade, it may wind up being similar to you know Plessy Ferguson, but then 60 years later you end up with Brown versus the Board of Education. Which essentially said that you know, seg- you know, segregated schools unconstitutional, and it, while it didn't necessarily overturn Plessy Ferguson, it did kind of you know it, it went against it and kind of vacated that in a way vacated that decision or stripped the power away from that decision. And so, while you know, it, it, you, you I don't think you'll you'll see a direct challenge to Roe v. Wade. I think what you may see is a superseding of the Roe v. Wade decision that may come out favorably for the it, it may come out favorably and may lead if it if it doesn't get if it doesn't get to the abortion ban it's going to get us closer to it it might i i'm honestly pessimistic about that as 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 full-throated as i have been about uh how good of an idea it was to bring gorsuch and kavanaugh into the fold uh i honestly don't think roberts will I don't think Roberts will go for it. Uh, he, the way he pretzled himself into justifying Obamacare uh, yeah. by his way of saying, like, well, you know, if I can read it, clearly on its face, it's unconstitutional. But if I can read it in a way that makes it constitutional, I should do that. And I can do it if I do it this way in a way that I really don't want to do. But I can. So I should. So I will. And it's done. And that was the most insane thing I've ever seen. Um, and I don't I, I think this would be even bigger than the an Obamacare ruling, and I think he can he concerns himself far more with the reputation of the court rather than whatever particular issue is at is at at hand that day, which is justifiable. I get it. Yeah. But that's going that I think that that's going to overrule his concern about whether or not the Fourteenth Amendment really, <laughs> if there really is like some kind of secret constitutional right to an abortion uh i I think he'll find a way to pretend that he believes that um so i'm 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 actually pretty pessimistic about this which is all the more reason to not like these bills we're driving this down this road that we ought not go Uh, i'm very nervous about it and so to that point I'm, I'm, i'm a little nervous but i also understand that this is a long game 
and so you think about it, you know, this is going to get tied up in court. As soon as these bills go into effect, January 1st, 2020, ACLU is going to be at the courthouse at 1201 to stop it. There's going to be a stay on these things. And it'll probably be a good two or three years before the, the court even the, before the court even agrees to hear anything if they decide to hear anything on it. Absolutely. And so, so three years down the road, that takes us to 2022. That either puts us halfway through the second term of a Trump presidency, <laughs> maybe a Pence presidency, maybe a, a you know a, 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 a Democrat to be named later. Um, you know, you look at the, the the makeup of the Supreme Court. I would not be surprised if in two to three years we get at least one, if not two more justices, potentially. And I'm thinking more so on the health side more than people just yeah. kind of stepping down. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, RBG is what, 83, 84? Thousand years old, I think. Yeah, she, yeah. she's up there. So, and, <laughs> and I know that she had a fall and, you know, people were praying for her and all that. So, I mean, you know, all these guys are, are, are kind of up there in age. So, I mean, it, it would not be all that, um, you know, all, all that rare for something to happen to where there's a need for one or two additional justices. Uh, the, the states where these bills are being passed today – uh, could see a, a big voter drive, could see big voter drives in the next two to three years that saw the people who passed these bills thrown out and that could, you know, get folks to, to reconsider. So, I mean, there's a lot that's going to happen in the next, in my mind at least, uh, with the fervor that I see on the Twitter and on the Facebook, there's a lot that can happen in the next two to three years. So Very just true. hang tight. <laughs> all right well let's let's wrap that one up here do, do you mind if i gotta ask real quick while we still have a little bit of time uh where are you leaning so far with the democrats field right you got your eyes set on somebody yet <sighs> so i think where i'm at uh so i i can definitively say who i'm not with i'm not with joe i'm not with uh mayor pete i'm not with cory booker kamala i'm on the fence on I think if I had to choose one, you put a gun in my head and I had to choose one, it'd probably be Elizabeth Warren. Because I think that, you know, for all the very left policies that she's pushing with the, you know, the, the student loan forgiveness and additional taxes, I think that with her history and her background, she's more prone to kind of go a little bit more centrist. To where she's going to run very left to, to essentially put herself out there and get ahead of the pack. But I think when it actually comes to governing and ruling, she'll probably move more, more to the center. So I could, I, could, I could see her kind of coming out on top in a crowded field. All righty. Okay, cool. I'm screwed either way. It doesn't matter to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably not going to vote for any. I mean, because I'm certainly not voting for Trump. And uh, I'm... <laughs> I'm I, I, I do not know how you know, the Democrats have some work to do before I ever pull a lever on that. But uh, cool. Yeah. I just want to get just want to get a litmus test on that. All right. Well, hey, you made it. You did a great job. I well, really appreciate it. My first it. podcast. This is great. That's there'll be, there'll be more. Confetti up. <laughs> there it was. For those of you who can't see, it was very colorful. It was amazing. It was. Um, well, thank you so much, Darren, for being on here. Um, Maybe we'll have you again when the next album drops, or maybe we'll just have you on for fun anyway. Um, I mean, e either way, I'm game. Um, so after Marquette drops, I've got another album right behind it called Miami Nights. It's a little bit more, um, I'll call it spicy. It's a little bit more urban, hip-hop-based. Um, but that will probably be August, September before I drop that. I want to see how much mileage I can get out of this Marquette project. And you are prolific. 
So uh, where can people go when this drops? Where do they go to get it? Any streaming service. You can go to iTunes and purchase, which would be great. My children would love you for that. Um, you can go to Amazon Music and purchase. My children would love you for that as well. Uh, you can stream it on Tidal, Spotify, um, well, Amazon Music, not just the Amazon storefront. Anywhere where you stream music, you can find it. Um, and how, how do they find you? So, you know, I mean, they're looking for Marquette, the album, but also what do they look for you? So I am under the moniker Easy Money Jones. That's that's my um, that's my uh, my, my pin name, if you will. And um, you can find that's, that's me, easy. Yeah. Easy. E and then Z as in zebra money Jones. Uh, and you can find me on the Twitter easy money at easy money Jones one. You can find me on Instagram at easy money Jones. You can find me on Facebook, easy money Jones. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit everywhere, so you can catch me anywhere. Excellent. Go check him out. All right. Well, and then my last little bit of promo for my side here, uh, like us on Facebook, uh, please send in some iTunes reviews. We've actually gotten a couple already, uh, but keep them coming. Five star reviews. Those things are really going to help us uh, get ourselves uh, known out there. Um, and uh, please send show ideas. We've already got one in the works. Uh, literally, I mean, so listeners, you matter. Yeah, you come in, you share some ideas. I've got one already waiting in the wings here that we will do here very soon uh, about uh, Facebook censorship and uh, and the like. So it's coming. Um, share ideas. We will absolutely tackle them. Uh, Darren, thank you so much for coming. It's been a thank you for pleasure. having me. This was great. All right. Well, everybody have a great day, and uh, don't work too hard. Cheers.